0: Hey, what's up, Resonate Church? Hey, so good to see you. Hey, I know that there are folks outside of this room joining us, and they're all part of our family. We have a campus in Hayward that we love. Hey, what's up, Hayward? So glad that you are here today. And also our online family, hundreds of people joining us uh, for the mission of God, joining us here in the Bay Area in our church. Hey, I just want to say hello. So glad you're joining us. Everything changed. Summer of 2005, I was just doing devotionals, just reading the Bible, and something struck me a little different. You know how sometimes you do devotionals and nothing happens, and you just kind of go about your day? That's the majority of my day. Um, But there are certain days when um, you do a devotional, and you're about to go about your day, and you realize you're in a chokehold. It's the Holy Spirit just grabbing you and saying, you ain't moving anywhere. I'm going to have you wrestle with this. And I ran across Acts 13, 36. It says this, when David fulfilled the purpose of his generation, he slept. And God was saying, you're going to fulfill the purpose of your generation through me. I'm going to give you that purpose. You know your old purpose of living a happy life, getting married, raising up a family, going on vacations and happily retiring, that vision, it's gone. He said, no, 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 that's not going to do it for you. I'm going to give you a vision. I'm going to have you surrender your life to me. And as you do that, you're going to serve me and fulfill the generation, I mean, the call that I've given you in your life to fulfill it in this generation. And then you're going to be with me for the rest of my life. And I said, Lord, I have no choice because you have me in a chokehold. And so I just couldn't forget about that. So that day, my wife and I got on our knees and we started praying, send us anywhere, Lord. Move us and use us for your glory. And so he had us move from L.A. to 20 years ago, come to the Bay Area. And three years after we landed here, we planted a church called Resonate from my living room with 35 closest friends. And we started planting this church, and God moved in a miraculous way. Hundreds got saved. Hundreds got baptized. And hundreds joined us who were really mature Christians, joined us for the mission. And the best part, I tell you all this, because he ain't done yet. He's not done with us. In Hayward, online, wherever you are, God is still doing big things, and he wants to do even more. More. Do you know that last weekend of all the campuses, that God saved from death to life 35 people for his glory. Celebrate that with me. 35 people from death to life. And and you know that today, 20 people are getting baptized. In fact, the first service, I'm just letting you know, first service today and even Thursday, there are a bunch of people who just said yes to Jesus in the moment and got in the tub. They weren't scheduled. They had their Sunday fineness, and it was all wet. But they did it for the glory of God. And I believe that there are people in this room who are not baptized, who have been resisting the call of God, who will sweep you up today. I believe that not because, you know, anybody's influential or you are peer pressured, but I believe that you're listening to God. And I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And I believe in all of our campuses in Hayward and here, you will listen to the Lord. I I really trust that. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time is to share four things with you. And I hope these things resonate. First, I'm going to share our vision of why you are here i want to give you a purpose of why you are here secondly i want to talk about what we are doing you're here and what we are doing together as a church then the future of where we are going as a church and lastly our moment of why we are uniquely excited for what god is doing in the midst of us today okay so you game all right seven of you great how about the rest of you you game let's go All right, so let me give you an outline uh, through a vision statement. There are three things here. First, we are called to expand God's kingdom by making gospel centered disciples who are equipped to live on mission. Those are three things, and that's going to be basically the scaffold, the three legs to my talk. Okay, we are called to expand God's kingdom by making gospel centered disciples where we are equipped to live on mission. And so that's what we're talking about today. First, We are here to expand God's kingdom. You see, one of the main reasons why you and I are here is not so that we could just be made into disciples, even though we do. You're not here because we want to plant churches, even though we do. Could I just give you a word of discouragement as we start? The church that you love, called Resonate, one day it's going to die. It's going to die. In fact, every church does. Do you know that Paul in the Bible Wrote love letters to the New Testament, in the New Testament to churches. I mean, these churches were so significant in this day, it got book deals, and that was in the Bible. I mean, pretty incredible, right? And churches like Philippi and Corinth and Ephesus, they got these book deals, and in their time, God used them to be the epicenter of a gospel movement where average, normal people got together, got trained, and flipped the world upside down for His glory and kingdom. And guess where they are today? They're dead. And in fact, if you were to go to the Middle East and look in Asia Minor and trace where they are in Turkey and other places in Greece and places like that, all these churches are just all but a rubble. And soon and very soon, Resonate Church will be all dead too. So therefore, the hope is not at the end of the day to build a church. That's not the hope. The hope for all of us is to build a kingdom. And I want to share with you, this is why God has us together. This is the purpose of your life and mine, to fulfill that plan for his, this generation, for his glory. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you turn to Revelation chapter 5? Revelation chapter 5. And um, we're going to look at verse 9. And we're going to look at how everything in history is leading to this funnel, this moment. You know you know the video game Galaga? Am I dating myself? Galaga? Remember, there's a, yes, I am dating myself. You know that space, you know, starship, whatever, and sometimes they get into the ray that traps them. Basically, we as the body of Christ is trapped into ultimately the picture that we're going to see in Revelation 5. This is where we're all going to land. Okay, this is the picture, ready? So Revelation 5, verse 9, if you're able in all of our campuses, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? And pray that the Holy Spirit once again preach a better sermon than the one that you're about to hear from me. Revelation 5, verse 9. This is the word of the Lord. Worthy are you, Jesus. For you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom. And they shall reign on the earth that is the word of the lord for this great sunday and all god's people said amen. amen please have a seat now this is a beautiful picture of our existence this is our purpose think about this many read revelation thinking this is a hopeful picture of our future but do you know when god gave apostle john uh, the inspiration to write this and the vision for this For John, it was a hopeful future. For the rest of us, it was a hopeful future. But for God, it's not a hopeful future, but it's utter eternal reality. Meaning God created time. He created all things, including time. And so God lives above the parameters of time. He doesn't live in time. He lives in eternity. And so he created time. So where you and I interact with time as if we watch like a movie from scene to scene, God sees it as like a film strip, the entire movie, and therefore he could see the beginning of the film and the end of the film at the same time. You see, that's what God does. And so what I'm saying is Revelation 5, the picture he's giving us, because we operate in time, we see that this is a hopeful future, but for God, this is an utter reality in eternity. He's already there because he's everywhere and he sees that every person who has professed their their allegiance to Jesus is going to end up here, that it is ultimately for his kingdom. This is what your life is all about. It's building the kingdom for King Jesus. In other words, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. Do you know who designed it this way? God did. God did. You know, at the end of the day, in Revelation 5, verse 9, everything will funnel into his exaltation alone, and he did that. And you might be in the seats right now thinking, gosh, that's a little self-centered of God, isn't it? Right? Maybe, maybe you think that. Well, could I just clarify with you? I am not saying that God is self-centered. You know who is? God is saying that he's self-centered. He's saying, that all of existence, it's going to funnel to me, and it's going to be all about my exaltation. Can I just ask you a question? Who else would you rather him center around? You? Me? At any point that God were to center around something else, he'd no longer be God. He would forfeit that right because he is only worthy of exaltation. Amen? Amen. That's what we're all about. We're building his kingdom now. I want you to think about the Psalms. You realize what we do. You come to church and you think it's so normal. We sing to him the Psalms, right? In the Bible, there's 150 of them written all for the exaltation of God. And we sing it, we think it's really normal because it's around him. Now, could you imagine this? On my anniversary, this year is coming up. I'll tell my wife, I'm like, listen, babe. I have written 150 poems for you. It's called the Psalms. And guess what? Every single one is all about me. It's all about me. And guess what? I want to give it to you as a gift so that you could sing it all the days of your life. That you sing it, you could exalt it, you could recite it, you could put some music to it. You could even rap it if you want. And you could say that all to me for my glory and it will bring you joy. Guess what would happen? She'll move out. Anyway, that's another story. But anyway, that's not the point. My point is only God is worthy of that psalm, and it brings joy and purpose to our life. Of course, I wouldn't do that. Could you imagine if this church came around and sang songs about me or you? That just would be utter like deformity and ugliness, sadness. And the only way we find fulfillment and purpose in our life is if how we're designed to glorify God and bring pleasure to him forever, is lived out through our lives. In fact, this is Jesus' life. I know he came to save us on the cross, but you know that he came to fulfill God's glory? In fact, in the public ministry of Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, this is what it says. It says, but he said to them, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's telling everybody, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose, the kingdom. Could I even just give you additional reality of what the Bible says to us? In the book of Acts, and if you want to understand the book of Acts, Okay, the best way to do it, if you've never read it, just cheat a little bit. Look at the first few verses and look at the last few verses of the entire book in chapter 28, and you basically uh, get the crux of what that book is. When I was an early Christian, a new Christian, I used to think that the book of Acts was all about church history, how the church came about, how disciples were made, and there was a chronicling of history of the early church. And then I realized that's not the case. It's all about the kingdom. Because here, let me just show you what's up. Okay, dear Jesus, in the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Jesus in verse 3 comes after he's resurrected, right? He dies on the cross, he's resurrected, and for 40 days remaining on earth, he hangs out with his disciples and assures them. And he talks about just one subject, one subject. Look at Acts chapter 4, I mean, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the what? Say it out loud. Kingdom. Kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. Now go to the very end of the book in Acts chapter 28, that's the last chapter, and the very last verses, the last two verses, we find Paul now doing ministry. He got saved, and he's in Rome, and he's not in Rome because he's hanging out, he's not retiring, he didn't get a condo at the beach, and he's not eating his favorite food. In fact, he was in house arrest, meaning he was arrested uh, for the work of the gospel, and there uh, he wasn't asking for comfortable living, he wasn't asking for his last meal, but as he was thinking Thinking about his impending death, this is what he says in Acts chapter twenty-eight, verse thirty. It talks about Paul and says he's lived there for two whole years in Rome at his own expense, and he welcomed to all who came to him, proclaiming what kingdom. the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So you look at the book of Acts; it begins with the kingdom. You see, the close of the the book of Acts, it's about the kingdom. Then class, what do you think the entire book of Acts is about? The kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And you see the descriptions of church planting, church birth, and the disciples being mobilized into cities and towns. That's the tool to build the kingdom. You and I are agents and tools to build the kingdom of God, and that's all we are. This is why you are breathing alive and saved. See, and now Acts 29, Acts 29 8 ends, and it is the start of Acts 29. By the way, in the Bible, there's no such thing as Acts 29, but we are living in the Acts 29 world until Revelation 5 comes. Then the question is, what are we to do? We are to expand God's kingdom. Same thing with Paul, with Jesus. And they'll tra- they trailblaze this journey, and we are doing the same now. And the church of God comes together to build The kingdom all over the world by making disciples. But could I tell you the problem? Here's the problem. What happened in the church of America is that somehow we focused all of our energy in building not the kingdom, but the church. The church became the centerpiece. The end became the church. That we just, if we have a church that we could all come, hang out, become friends, worship Jesus a little bit. And then eat some donuts and go out to have lunch. We call it a day. That's the end. And so this is what we did. In the Church of America, instead of the kingdom, we made it about the church Ended in and ended, ended of itself. And then so there are two things we did. Number one, we, we got a great pastor. We hired him. You know, he's articulate his motivation, whatever. And we said, hey, preach, monkey. And he preaches, you know. And then, and then people are like, yay, you know, whatever, and leaves and it feels good about it. Listen. That's called an attractional church. Hey, come listen to my pastor speak. That's an attractional church. We come to listen to the band or you know, hear a pastor talk, especially the days that you know, I'm not preaching. You're like, oh, you got to really come when Pastor Ryan's not preaching, right? I know, I know that happens. Great. So, but that's one. Can I tell you what the biggest problem with that is? We become so insular and attractional. And, and secondly, we reduce the kingdom into a small department called missions, it's a department reserved for only spiritual weirdos. You know those spiritual weirdos that are all missional, that wants to go out into the world? And so they're like special ops Christians, you know? They're trained in the dark like basement of the church somehow, right? And the normal Christians like us get to come to church. They're called to join missional communities and, you know, give some money and we're good. That's what, that's what the church looks like today. And the mission is all about the spiritual weirdos and we're the normal ones, right? Do you know what I think we should do as a church? I think we should get the word, the letter S on missions. We need to get rid of that. Do you know why? In the Bible, there's only one mission the mission. There's not missions, it's not a department in church, it is the whole thing. It is about making the kingdom expanded through making disciples and sending them, equipping them for the work of the ministry. There's only mission. And that started in the Bible in Genesis 3 when there was the fall, we sinned, and God started redeeming his people all throughout history until Revelation 5, the picture of all tribe, every tongue, every nation will come together under the kingship of Jesus Christ to which we will glorify forever. That is the church. That is the call of your life and mine, to fulfill that in our generation. So the question is, man, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, here it resonates. Here's the second thing. We expand God's kingdom by making gospel-centered disciples. By making gospel-centered disciples. Here, this is the best way I could explain it. We have a discipleship pathway in which we want to equip you and develop you. Okay, We call it the five C's. If you haven't heard this, this is great. I'm glad that you came. It's like a funnel. As we engage the gospel work in our city, you are encouraged to come into this funnel. right? And the first layer of the funnel is what we call the core, which is our main thing, which is called MCs. MCs. We're all about MCs. If you haven't heard about MCs, you are brand new here. Because MCs is where we come and we come together relationally. We meet outside of church. We meet and train leaders and disciples disciple you to know the gospel and love the gospel and live out the gospel. That's the very purpose of it. And can I tell you what my favorite thing about our church is? There are a lot of great things about a church I just love. I love you guys. I love our people. I love our diversity. I love your generosity. There's so many things that I love. But my favorite thing, I explain this way to other pastors when you're not listening. I always say, Imagine a row of houses, one through a hundred, and the first house is like gospel illiterate. They don't know the gospel. they're brand new to Christianity. And you know, at the end, hundredth gospel, they're like the pastors and leaders of our church. They know the gospel the best. When you knock into the 50th house and knock and they open the door and you ask, what is the gospel? The average resonator could really articulate the gospel well. And they love the gospel deeply and they want to live out the implications of the gospel. That's what I'm so joyful about. And guess how they became that? They joined an MC and they grew an MC. They thought through the sermons and they talked about it together in community. That's how that came about. Here's a second C. Ready? It's connect. Connect is when um, we are connected through relational affinity. And we have, that. that's a discipleship means too here at our church because we have eighteen twenty-two college-age kids. We have Prime, which is a relational um, group that we're growing in. That's going crazy. If you're a Prime member, so grateful for our young adults that are just like super committed to the gospel. I'm just so grateful for that. We have men's ministry to which they just came back from a great retreat. Praise God. Let's celebrate that. And then we have women's ministry that's been already flourishing, that they're going to go on the retreat next year. And we have marriage ministry. These are ways that we connect together relationally because we are in relational affinity together. Third, there are classes. Classes are simply instructional things where we're equipping you to not only live on mission, but in knowledge too. And so we are teaching you about apologetics and about how to study the Bible. And we're, we're talking about, you know, um, church history. And we're talking about biblical sexuality. And we're talking about generosity. And we're giving you these classes, hermeneutics, how to, what is the science of interpreting Scripture. These are ways that we've offered in the summer. As our church is maturing, we're actually offering it all throughout the year so that you could take it along with your MC. Fourth is care. You know what care is? It's like, you remember right out of COVID, we knew that people were going to be depressed and isolated. They needed counseling. Man, there's not enough counselors. So we trained, uh, there are a group of people that got trained to be biblical counselors. And they are counselors now, grief counseling. And so now we have grief support groups that we're starting. And also we're start, starting a recovery groups for those people who've been addicted, who struggle with addiction now because they, that's a unique need, and they want to be liberated, and they're coming together, and we're going to set, set apart these groups because we need gospel freedom for them, and that's part of their discipleship. Lastly, we have a, what is called a city. See, they all start with C's. City is like the way we invest in our city. This is part of our discipleship, like street ministry that's been going so strong. In, uh, can we get some love for street <laughs> ministry? I love that. Like every Tuesday, you see a host of people just rolling out from Hayward in here, just going to the streets, loving the people, not just with food, but with relationships. And we have things like in that ministry, uh, like Foster the City, and Love Never Fails, and OMED, our Afghan ministry, and Unwrapped, and Hayward. There's so many great things, and we do this by enjoying grace, embodying love, and engaging the culture. So that's the second thing. So we are called to expand God's kingdom. By making gospel-centered disciples who then, here's the third thing, ready? Are equipped to live on mission. Equipped to live on mission. And the key here is equipped. Equipped. And can I explain it this way? In the American church, our version of being equipped for the mission and outreach is to start a church and send mailers into the city. Okay, listen. Those days where we start a church at a school and we send mailers into the city, those days are gone. You know what I mean? It won't work. Like maybe in our country right now, in small places, maybe in the Bible Belt places, maybe the center of the Bible Belt, like the buckle belt part, maybe it works. Because everybody's like looking like, oh, I don't know what to do this Sunday. I want to go to a church, but I don't know a church that I should go to. Hey, here's a mailer. I think I'm going to go. Those days are gone. Especially in the Bay Area. There's not a person in the Bay Area that thinks like that. So that's not mission. What is mission? What is outreach? Okay, that can't be our primary mission. Here's how I know. Number one, this is not the way of the Bible. This is not what Paul did. Paul didn't just start Bible studies and hand out mailers and say, hey, could you just pass these out everywhere you go? No, that's not what he did. You know what he did? Instead, he equipped them and sent them to engage their towns, their cities, through the gospel. And here's the second reason why we shouldn't see mission as just passing out mailers. Because it's not biblical missiology. Because you know what biblical missiology does? Biblical missiology is not just for America. Do you know that the Bible is not written for America only? It's written for the entire world. And so what works here should work everywhere else. So imagine if you took your heart to Afghanistan and decided to rent a little school if they let you. And, and you started passing out mailers. What do you think is going to happen? Bad things are going to happen. I'll tell you, bad things are going to happen. Maybe so bad that you end up in an orange jumpsuit, blindfolded and you're on CNN. That would be terrible. Okay? But you see, that's not biblical missiology. You know what biblical missiology is? It's what Paul did. It's the intention of the, it, the book of Acts and all the disciples, not just following Jesus, but being equipped to be sent out to equip them and to engage their city with the gospel. You see, um, the Bible was written for the entire earth. If our missiology won't work everywhere in the world, why are we using it anywhere um, in the world as biblical missiology? And what did Paul say? Paul said this in Philippians, I mean, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He said, and he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints... Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. See, what Paul did is he actually equipped them to live on mission, and that works here, and that will work for the rest of the world. Now, this really matters because I'm going to tell you to us, because there's only two parts, two continents in the entire world where Christianity is now flourishing. Do you know there's only two continents in all the continents where Christianity is declining and we're sitting in one of them? And that's a problem. You think about it. We have all the resources. We have the money. We have the seminaries. We have the scholars. We have the education. We have all the economic flourishing. We have the freedom to meet as a church. Ain't nobody going to bash down our doors and say you can't meet here like other communist countries or dictatorship. Like, no, we have all the freedom in the world. And yet why is our Christianity declining? Why is it? Maybe perhaps we're not applying biblical missiology but we're applying American missiology is to be consumers. We just come to consume and consume. We just come and just eat, 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 right? And maybe, perhaps, it's time for you and I to follow more of the Asian countries or South American countries and African countries where Christianity is actually flourishing. You know what they're doing? That we're not biblical missiology. That's what, they're making disciples and training them and equipping them to send them out. So here's the question. Here's the question, ready? What if for such a time as this, God planned to resonate so that we could pass off to our children and our grandchildren a changing trajectory of the redemptive potential of the Bay Area? And I'm talking to you, every person who lives in the Bay Area here, I'm talking to you. If you're joining us in Hayward, you're online, I'm talking to you. Acts chapter 17 says, God had determined the place and the space and the time to which you were born for that reason. You're not here just because you're like, oh, God saw fit that you look better in today's modern clothing than the 17th century classic. That's not the reason why you're here. The reason here, you're here is because he wants to use you for the building of the kingdom of God in this generation. And that's exciting. And the question is, then what can we do? What can we do? How can we do it? How do we do that? Okay, ready? Dream with me. Just dream with me for a second. What if God had called all of us, the reason why he planned to resonate, the reason why you're here today, no matter how long you've been here, what if he wanted us to change just 1% of the redemptive potential in the Bay Area? You would think 1% is not a lot. But if you look at this map and see that it's like, okay, the entire Bay Area, you know how many people live in the entire Bay Area? Estimated eight million people. Eight million people. And if you think of all the people that are saved, it's about 10% of the people. Some more, some less. In, depending on the area, 10% of the people were saved. That means there are 7.2 million people that are lost. 17, 7.2 million people who are without Jesus in their life, that they're damned to hell. This is the reality of it. So let's say if we were just to save 1%, God would use us in our generation in the next 10 years, that we will reach 1%. You know how many of those people are? That's 72,000 people. 72,000 people that are actually saved the next 10 years. Maybe God will use us to reach out to them. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, think about this. What if for the next 10 years, by the way, you know how many churches there are in the Bay Area? 2,900 of them approximately. And majority of them are declining and very, very few are reproducing. And so what if, okay, reset, ready? What if, what if, Collectively, with 2,900, almost 3,000 churches, we decide to plant 240 churches in the next 10 years, 240 churches. And each church that's planted plants one more other church, one more other church. You know, 2,900 churches together planting 240, that's only 12 churches planting one church. 12 churches coming together, sending five people, two people, sending $1,000, giving $500,000, whatever it is, and planting these churches. And if 240 churches plant one other church, and they all grow to 150 people, do you know what that amounts to? 72,000 people. Could you just dream with me in your lifetime, in the next 10 years, could you imagine doing anything more fruitful than that? to live out your purpose in your generation for the glory of God, for the exaltation of God and building up his kingdom, to see 72,000 people go from death to life? Could you imagine that? I can. And I think it's time to go to work. You see, I think Resonate has become mature now. We're 13 years in, almost turning 14 in this time. You know what, my son, who's only 14, got a real job. You know what a real job is? You have to actually apply for one and interview for one. It's not that daddy gave you a job to take out the trash. You know what I mean? He got a real job. You know, it's time for us to work now, Resonate. It's time for us to work. So what does that mean? Hey, listen. God is moving really uniquely in us, and this brings us today. God's been using us in such extraordinary ways. Do you know? Hey, celebrate with me. This past year alone, we have seen 277 people who got saved just through Resonate in all of our campuses. 277 people, and 178 of them just this past Easter have made commitments, and 35 of them just last year, I mean, last week in all of our campuses, and today 20 people, more than 20 people have, have been baptized, okay, today, and there are many more baptisms today in our services, right? But there's more. To reach 1%, God has given us dreams, and he's given us unique resources right now to shape our trajectory In three ways. Are you ready for that? Three things that we're going to do. It's like imagine the funnel where we make disciples and we're equipping you to be sent for the mission of God here in the Bay Area to which we love. The very first thing we're going to do is to plant more campuses and plant more churches in the next five years. You're like, how many, Ryan? Let me be specific. We want to plant four more campuses and three autonomous church plants in the next five years. Are you excited for that? Um, and this is not just a pipe dream. This is not like, hey, let's just throw the rock out there and see if we can hit it. God is working and moving in the midst of us faster than we could ever imagine. Did you know this past week I was driving to go see my son at UC Davis. He's going to school there. We wanted to go visit him. And I was driving with my wife, and, you know, I was driving 90 miles per hour. I didn't even know it. I mean, you're like, what a wretched sinner. Yes. But it's a fast center. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> I was driving and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm driving 90 miles per hour. And she's like, oh, my gosh, it just seems like we're going 60 because she has a nice car and everybody was going 90. So it just felt like so normal. Did you know that you're just part of a church? You didn't even know that you're going 90 miles per hour. We're going really fast right now. And there's some things that are going to surprise you, all of you today, because I have something to tell you. We are actually in two months planting our first campus outside of the Hayward, Fremont, online. This is going to be our fourth campus in two months. Um, Christopher and Brittany Stites are our people who've actually led a great church. There are about 100 people, and they actually want to join us to become Resonate Oakland. And they want to be a part of us because they believe that with us we could plant more churches, we can make more disciples, we can build the kingdom of God more effectively together. So they're immensely committed, and we're super excited for this. But that's not all. In 2024 and on, and we're going slower with this, but after Oakland, which we love, we love the city of Oakland, wouldn't you love to see the gospel penetrate in the city of Oakland? I would love that. But it's going further. In 2024, we're starting an initiative to plant our next campus in the beloved city of Vallejo, California. Vallejo, California. And um, I'll tell you, Noli and Noemi Perez, and they're here in the midst of us, and there are people who love the gospel, but who love their city, but they couldn't find the church that preached the gospel in the city. So they were tapping into us. I'm like, hey, why don't you even think about starting a small group and, and maybe start a small micro site. And then already they started calling their friends, and by accident they like started growing to like 30, 35 people. Like they're so influential. They're so great. They're such great leaders, and they are being trained right now, being equipped to actually be sent to the city that they love so that we're going to start Oakland Vallejo very soon. Praise God for that. Wow. And, and our current dream is to actually plant a Pleasanton Livermore campus and also a San Jose campus. If you live around there, that's hope for you. <laughs> and we want to plant three autonomous churches outside of that. Three autonomous churches that go and we support. Now, what does that mean? You're like, Ryan, how are we going to do that? Okay, so church D is one of the arms of the funnel. Here's the second arm that I'm really excited about. Secondly is Resonate Leadership Institute. We're going to start that in 2024. And I know you're not excited because you're like, what is Resonate Institute, Leadership Institute? This is what I'm most excited about because when, you, when it comes to building the kingdom of God by making gospel-centered disciples, then to equip them, remember they equip, this is what it is. Resonate Leadership Institute is starting in January 2024. It's kind of like school. It's kind of like seminary. Some of you just got allergic all of a sudden, like you broke out in high school. No, listen, I didn't enjoy school much either until I started studying the Bible. I'm like, this is amazing. And I believe some of you will be alive and awakened through this process. And there's just two main arms of this. One of them is the school of ministry. And what we want to do is to equip you as leaders. Some of you have surrendered your life to Jesus. Some of you need to surrender your life to ministry. And there have been people who's been actually saying, yes, call me. Yes, I think I've been called to ministry. And so these people who will eventually go into church planning or go with the church to plant the church together, this is classes, instruction, where we actually equip you. And do you know that we actually got accreditation for this? We have actually partnered with Gateway Seminary to give accreditation and credit for this and so we're going to give certification accreditation for these classes and it's going to be legit it's not going to be like down the dark hallway where we just train you to be missionaries you know what i mean this is like legit school you have assignments you have to write papers and stuff like that you actually have a syllabus or syllabi whatever <laughs> secondly the second arm is a church planting residency Church planting residency is where we're starting. Like if you're a pastor and you've gone to seminary or you're going through seminary, you're like, how do I plant a church? It's like residency for a doctor. You know, you just don't go to med school and then you start practicing and cutting people open. No, you go to the hospital, you get trained on hand. In the same way, we were inviting pastors to run this program for two years, and they would incubate at Resonate. Hey, word. Oakland, Vallejo, here in Fremont. They'll incubate here, meaning they'll learn here, they'll train here, they'll work here, and they'll gather people here to be sent out to Oakland, Alameda, San Francisco, San Mateo, wherever God is calling them. We're gonna supply not only funds, but the people who've been discipled, and we're gonna go, and we believe that we are contributing to the ultimate calling of God in our generation here in the Bay Area for his glory alone. That's what we want to do, and we're planting churches. Now, one of the biggest co- prohibitive prohibition for church planners to come in the Bay Area is they say, it's too expensive here. It's too expensive here. Stop no more. There's more. I feel like an infomercial. But like, okay, there's more. This is what God did. You don't even know how fast we're going. Do you know that through an organization called SEND, uh, we've partnered with them where they have actually given us Two homes, two homes to resonate, two homes. Now, what are we going to do with these two homes? We're going to actually, any pastor who is actually going through the church plant residency, they'll be able to live in these homes for free, for free, as long as they're doing the residency. And then we'll incubate here. They'll be here rent-free, and they get to focus on the training to send them out to the uh, cities where we believe that they should plant. This is an amazing opportunity for us. And this is all that God has brought, including Pastor Edward, which, you know, a few months ago, you're like, who's Pastor Edward? Oh, he's a buddy of yours? Oh, great. Why is he here? What is he, he going to do? He's a pastor of mobilization. You're like, Pastor, what? Now you know, mobilization to equip you, to equip our church to be sent out for the glory of God. And that's why he's here, and that's why we're, you're here, and I believe this is why you're hearing this. Here's a third arm, the third part of the funnel. It's for prayer ministry. We're going to grow our pr- prayer ministry. And you might have noticed already that we've been praying a lot more as a church lately. You know, and we're just pressing forward even deeper. Do you know Acts 6, 4 says, But we devoted ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Okay? Like, that was the secret of the early church. The early church didn't have a lot. They didn't have money. They didn't have scholars. They didn't have resources. But they had prayer And they had ministry. I mean, they had word. And they actually included both and incorporated, and they flipped the world upside down. And the ministry of prayer is essential to the Christian life and ministry. You know, the word essential has been hijacked. And I'm bothered by this. Because we call everything essential, including oils. Essential oil. (laughs) Maybe we should retitle that to say, Good oils or effective oils, but not essential. You know what essential means? It's, it means you can't live without it. And, and I've been living without it fine. Like, I'm, I'm doing okay. And I, and I know some of you are all essential oil fans. I smell you, okay? I get it. Like, it's great. I'm glad you're eating it, applying it, and drinking it. That's great. Infusing it, whatever you do, okay? You look great. Okay, but I'm not sure if it's essential, Do you know what essential is? Prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. You see, the church, the early church, they saw it not as a supplementary thing, but they saw it as an essential thing, and this is why these few people just flipped the world upside down, and what was so essential in the early church is only supplementary in the contemporary church. It's just a... It's like a side item for us. It's supplementary. If you understand anything about prayer, I want you to get this. Prayer is not something we do before the work. But it is the work. It's not what we do before we preach or before we sing or before we lead meetings. No, it is the work, and that's why we must pray. And this is why as you walk out, you're going to get these praying cards these prayer cards, we have four things that we want all of our church to dig in and pray for and see God come through. This is what we're hoping for. I want everybody to get one and start praying and we'll see together what the Lord does through us, okay? And of course, the preaching of God's word is what we're going to do. So let me close this way. Listen, this is our moment. I believe that we might not have any other. This is one of those things where God says, well, here's a, I'm going to add a talent to you now. I'll see how you invest it. I'll see how you steward it. And if you and I steward it, if we see the vision clearly to say, we're not about the church, we're not about just making disciples, but we're about expanding God's kingdom by making disciples to be equipped for God's mission. If this is what we're at, here's one thing that you must do. One thing, ready? One thing. You must not attend this church. You must be the church could I just encourage you to be the church, not come to church, not attend this church, but be the church. What do I mean by that? Three things real quick. Number one, in the New Testament, if you want to be the church, you have to be saved and baptized. Baptism was not something that you throw a party, yay, I'm wet. No, that's not what baptism was. In the New Testament, that was a signifying act to say I'm public and I'm part of this church. That's how you were part of the church. In the New Testament, you weren't part of the church until you were saved or baptized. You you didn't just come to church, you were part of the church. You actually had to be saved and baptized. And could I just tell you in this room, in Hayward, and online today, there are some of us who know that we should be baptized, but we're not baptized yet. And I, I believe God is calling you. You might have not had an appointment to be baptized today, but God's made an appointment with you. You know? And and here's the thing. Let's just strip it down really simply, real quick. What you are doing to God in light of all the ways that He's loved you and continue to love you is you have chosen to be disobedient. And you're okay with that. And here's the greatest danger of you being disobedient. Every time you are being disobedient, it's easier to be more disobedient. And every time we have baptisms, you're like, that's good for them, but that's not good for me, and that's a lie. And in fact, you'll get easier, easier falling into places where you're disobedient and the places that you choose to be obedient is really not for God, it's really about you. Therefore, you're building your kingdom, not his. That's what it means. And so I'm just gonna encourage you and shepherd you as, as I love you. It's going to be the hardest thing to do, but would you just stand and just get baptized today? Like, it doesn't matter what kind of clothes you have. I know you have your Sunday best, but I, I'll tell you, this might be the best Sunday of your, of your life because you got baptized. And you will be the family of God. You will be the church. Here's the second thing today, okay? Um, be a member of our church. Be the member Let me be real quick here. A lot of you have been attending, and I'm not talking to anybody in Hayward online or here. I'm not talking to you if you've been checking out our church for the last few months. No, please continue to check us out. We love you. We're glad that you're here. I'm talking about people who've been here for months and months and years, and you say Resonate is our home church, and yet you're not members yet, and you're not a covenant member. You haven't dug in. And here's the problem. I I recently talked to a gal who came up to me and said, Pastor, would you give me advice? And I said, well, what could I do? And she's like, well, you know, my, my boyfriend and I, we've been dating seven years and he refuses to engage and want to get married with me. He just wants all the benefits uh, without being married. What do you think I should do? And I knew what she needed to do, but I asked her. I said, what do you think uh, you should do? And she said, well, he needs to do his duty or get off the pot. And she didn't use the word duty. You know, and I'm like, I think you're right. And I think there are a lot of people here that just consume, get all the benefits, and yet not part of the church. And so here's my invitation to you. Please leave our church. Like, And go find a church that you think you could be a member to. Not attend another church. Please don't do that. Go. If this is not the church for you, it's okay. We're all part of the same team. Would you go to a church and dig in and and be disciple there and to be sent and be trained to on mission? But if if maybe you haven't heard this, it's a sweet, another shepherding invitation, would you be then dug in here? Would you actually say, okay, I've seen enough? I'm going to actually be a member of this church. Whether it be here, whether it be elsewhere, we're all part of the same team. I just think that God is specifically calling you, maybe not even here, but to a specific local church. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Would you just go? Would you just stay? I hope you stay. But even if you don't stay, my encouragement to you is to go and dig into that church and really be committed wherever God is sending you. Amen? All right, here's the last one. I think we need to fund the vision. We need to fund the vision. And Jesus says, don't lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up your treasures in heaven. You know the word treasures in Greek means deposit and wealth. And I think some of you will go to heaven and realize you're bankrupt because you spent all of your investments here. And some of you are investing so well that you're gonna be incredibly, incredibly blessed up there. That you'll have crowns in which other people don't have. And so, What does it look like to invest well? Here's the question. In the last seven days, of all the ways that you spent your money, um, what will last in 30 million years? Do you think the food you ate, the movie you watched, and the toy that you bought, your new iPhone 15, do you think it'll last 30 million years from now? I'm going to tell you, those of us who are investing well in the kingdom of God will have people jump out and say, I will save because of you, I will save because of your investment. I was say because of your trust and your finances to fund the vision. And this is something that I so deeply believe that I ended up meeting with the 20 largest givers of our church. And we had dinner together. I said, would you fund this vision? Will you, because generosity begets generosity. So would you go first? And you already give so much and so sacrificially. You give the most in all of our church. But would you, would you even consider giving more? And do you know what they did? They were glad to. They're like, we want to fund the vision. We want to invest well into the kingdom of God. And so they covered the first third of $250,000 to which we think it's going to cost about $750 to do all the things that God has given us, to train and send churches. And so then I met with the members and covenant members of our church, hundreds of people, and said, now it's your turn. First third has been covered. Would you cover the second third? And they said, Yeah, we're glad to. We're covenant members. And so there are a lot more people, not just 20 families, but there are 100 families, and they're like, we're going to cover this. Now here's the last third. We've already covered the first two thirds, and I'm just calling the rest of the church out here. Hey, would you as a church, which we're the most numerous, the attenders here, the people who call Resonate Home, would you deeply consider prayerfully funding the vision that God has before us? I believe that 1% matters, the 72,000 people. And we want to we involve other churches, but primarily we say we want to own what is ours. And if you are here at our church in Hayward online or even here in Oakland, we believe God's brought you here so that we could build the kingdom of God to be gospel-centered disciples, to be mobilized and equipped for the mission of God. So at the end of the day, we could say, Lord, we fulfill the purpose in our generation. Thank you for letting us do that. Now we want to sleep with you forever. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to be the church. Help us call people to their next steps, whatever it is. And we pray that we just be utterly dissatisfied and just living our lives and trying to go on vacations and try to retire happily. I think we're most happy when we live out your purposes. And so, Father, will you give us the, disdain and even a dissatisfaction for the way we're living and that we would just want to invest in your kingdom lord equip us and use us in this unique season we're excited for all that is happening but we're nothing unless you move so we need you pray that you would glorify yourself and you would help us to do it and all god's people said amen let's give him glory hallelujah Amen.